0: and Airbnb, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com/host. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment.
1: So I quit my job as a park ranger a few days ago. Not because I got tired of it. It's because I've seen some crazy shit. I wasn't one of those park rangers that stand around or sit in a shack. I was the kind that were bound to towers, taking radio calls and more. So it was a normal day just sitting, looking out for any strange things. You may be asking, strange things? When I first got the job, they informed me of strange entities and happenings. Those I still do not know to this day. As day started setting, I got a radio call from the other tower. Yes, I had the night shift that day. The man at the tower, or Chris, told me he's heading home and just a reminder to look out because night isn't pretty. As I see his lights turn off of the tower, I knew that my shift started. Nothing really happens when you work the night shift, but this specific day was strange. I was sitting next to the park map they left us when I hear static coming from the radio. I knew someone was trying to contact the tower, so I walked over. Before I had time to respond, a scared, out-of-breath man was on the radio. Hello, I heard. I did the standard procedure. This is Tower 4. What seems to be the problem? Finally, someone help, the man said in relief. I was on the trail when I heard something behind me any more information I asked him yeah I started to speed up when I did it it sounded like something was running after me stay on the line I said I opened the instruction manual I was reading the part about hikers being chased by an animal as I was reading I heard a scream over the radio hello do you copy help whatever was chasing me is still chasing me keep running but where are you the lake that's near Tower 2. Head to the nearest tower. We always leave the towers open because when the shifts are over, they require to unplug and put the radio in the locked box. Yeah, that's dumb, but it's how it works. As I return to the radio, I hear a scream from the radio and outside. It sounded like somebody was getting murdered. Hello, where are you? I hear on the radio. I lied for my safety. I'm at the tower I sent you to. Okay, he sounded so calm. I pulled up my binoculars and zoomed in on tower. What I saw scares the shit out of me. It was a creature looking at me with red glowing eyes. It was waving at me. I was frozen in a state of paralysis just being watched by this creature. It was weird. It almost looked like something out of a movie or a game. As I started to feel like I could move again... I used it to grab the hunting rifle given to me. I aimed, but nothing was there anymore. I sat down and got the flask I hid in my drawer, and I took one sip. Then I heard the familiar creak of my tower steps. It was late, and no one comes to check up on me at this time. I hid under the bed provided. Who's there? The thing said. It sounded like my boss, but I knew it wasn't. It sounded like a somewhat good impression. I knew it wasn't him when I saw its legs. It had hooves and fur, and I only saw its bottom part. It left, but whatever was there could replicate voices. Whatever it was, I don't know. But that was the one part that almost made me quit. But there are many more reasons. Okay, so, I live in Australia. I wasn't sure where to post this but someone on another page recommended to post this here. It's currently autumn, and I live on the outskirts of a major city still in the suburbs. This happened yesterday in late afternoon when I went to hang some washing on the line under our carport attached to side of house. We were starting to lose daylight, so thought I'd quickly pop out and hang up the last of the washing for the day. It was increasingly getting darker by the minute i had just begun hanging clothes when i started to get an uneasy feeling i'm unsure why i brushed it off as it i was losing daylight quickly a minute later i heard a group of kids up the other end of the street screaming and then silence again i brushed it off as the kids just being kids and playing with each other the intensity of unease grew and i felt like i was being watched I then heard a low growl which was unlike anything I'd ever heard and the air got significantly colder and all the crickets and bugs went silent. I moved the clothes rack to outside the carport so I could use what little light there was to hurry this up as much as possible, which hanging and scanning around between picking up the next piece of clothing I noticed something new. Though this dense garden that wrapped around our U-shaped drive looked poor like it had been trampled in a decent section. Maybe 13 feet of the garden. I intensely felt I was really being watched by something, and right before finishing the clothes, the feeling started to ease off a little, and it began to warm back up like it was when I initially came outside. I was raised with big dogs, Rottweilers, German Shepherds, etc., and grew up in rural countryside. I've heard all kinds of animal sounds from wild dogs, foxes, koalas fighting, possums, and bats. I have never in my life heard a growl like this before, and I don't know how to explain it, but it did not sound natural. It sounded closest to a dog, but something about it was very wrong. Before going outside, my indoor cat desperately wanted outside. Once I came inside, she was acting completely different skulking around and all fur puffed up. She then was following me at my ankles around the house, not normal for her. We have a lot of bushland surrounding us and live next to a river behind us. I don't fish in that river anymore as I've always felt like someone was around. For the past few months, something has been harassing this entire house. It only happens at night. It's only been seen twice and it's only been towards women and anyone under 18, my best friend's little brother looks like a grown man, but he's 16 if that's important. When I saw it, it was sunset, but it wasn't really an animal. It was someone really tall, somewhere between 6 feet six five. It was standing in the woods, kind of far away, really pale like someone had never been in the sun. Blonde hair, black shirt. I couldn't see the pants, and its face wasn't visible. It was looking straight down. The arms were really long, too. I was about to leave, and I thought it was a person, so I said they weren't allowed on our property. It's a rental, if that's important. It just spun around and took off, never lifting its head. It was really fast, like it almost disappeared fast. When my best friend's mom saw it, she described the same thing, but with jeans and said it was closer to six feet, six feet seven. It was in the same area that I saw it. This time it was sunrise. Ever since then, any time I've had to go outside at night, I go pick my best friend up at midnight five times a week from work. If I say anything, it mimics me. Sometimes its voice matches mine. Sometimes it sounds like a woman. Sometimes it sounds like a man. Sometimes I can't tell. It's all coming from the same area I saw that thing. My best friend's sister keeps having the same thing happen to her, all in the same spot in the woods. We all, aside from the three men in the house, keep hearing animal noises, but they don't really sound like animals. I saw a shadow outside of my window last week, and my best friend's little brother keeps having someone tap his window at night. The windows are on the opposite side of the house from where we keep hearing and seeing everything, and the little brother's window is close to fifteen feet off the ground. The shadow I saw went above my window almost five feet off the ground and three feet tall, and it was almost a combination of a human and a deer. Like it was a hunched over person with something sticking out of its head and it had a snout. Last night when I was leaving late night Walmart run, I walked outside and something screamed and started crying. I yelled for my best friend and ran back in while it was mimicking me. Nobody else heard it and it stopped when he went outside. I made sure not to say anything when I went outside last night, but it still happened so it's definitely watching us. I don't think we've done anything to upset anyone and none of us are natives unless you count the several generations back everyone in my area has. But I don't because none of us ever actually live like Native Americans, but we do live about a 20-minute drive from what used to be a home to Mississippian Indians. I'm sorry if that's not the proper name. It was turned into a museum that is now run by their descendants. I live in Alabama, about a four-hour drive from Mississippi and Tennessee. Is this a skinwalker, or is it something else? I just want to get rid of whatever this is. The dogs won't go out at night, and normally I can sense energies, but I can't anymore. It's really freaking me out. It's daytime, so I'm not concerned right now, and it's never hurt us either. Just whatever information I can be given would be helpful right now. Update. Kinda, not really. I took some advice someone mentioned and tried to keep quiet, and not react in any way the last few days. It went well until today. I was walking my son to the car just now, and he said hi to something in the woods. Not once, not twice, but three times. He waved the last time. It did not respond, but I about shit my pants because that means he can see whatever it is. When I was about 15 or 16 I was walking my uncle's dog. His name was Zeus and he was an American bulldog and loved me and all his family obviously. So one night I'm taking him to little dog park they had on the military base we were stationed at in Germany. We were walking on this path through like a courtyard of these four buildings. As I was looking ahead I thought I saw somebody under the street light but I didn't pay it any attention. I was like maybe 100 or so feet away, I'm not sure. As we got closer Zeus slowed down and what I thought I saw before at this point looked like it was 7 feet tall, but could have also been taken as like a shadow, it was weird. I started walking to it. I just wanted to make sure I wasn't tripping or going crazy seeing things. At this point I'm like pulling Zeus to walk with me and see what's going on. The closer we got the shadow thing started taking form. By the time we were like 30 to 25 feet, I saw like a 10 feet hooded figure, and you couldn't see a face or anything in the hood. It was like a void. Zeus started barking, which he never does, and I was like frozen for a second and dropped the leash and he took off running. I snapped out of it and took off running too and nothing happened to us. About eight years later I saw it again while out in Atlanta one night. The night that changed everything for me began like any other night. I was visiting my grandparents and sleeping in my grandmother's bed, as I always did. However, something strange and frightening happened that I couldn't explain. I woke up in the middle of the night, feeling a strange tickling sensation on the back of my neck. I tried to swat away whatever was bothering me, but the feeling persisted. That's when I turned around and saw it a pale, human hand with long, sharp, black nails. It was attached to a figure wearing a monk's robe, and everything beyond the hand was just an unnatural blackness. As I watched, the hand reached out and touched me, and a voice whispered in a calm but dark tone, Follow me. Where we will go, it is beautiful. Despite feeling scared, I somehow remained calm and replied, No, I don't want to. But the figure was persistent, and it responded with a more forceful voice, ''Believe me, you want to come with me.'' That's when I screamed and turned to my grandmother, who was dazed and claimed that I was dreaming. But the encounters didn't stop there. On another occasion, I was in bed, and my mom had just left the room with the lights still on. When I turned back to the door, I saw a figure made of pure blackness with bright green glowing eyes. I called out to my grandmother, but there was no answer. I turned away and back, but the figure was still there. And then suddenly it was gone. It wasn't until 12 years later that I would hear a similar story from my stepfather. He told me that he had been up in the middle of the night to use the bathroom when a shadowy figure with glowing green eyes had touched him. He even had a red handprint on his shoulder as proof. He had no knowledge of my experiences, which made it all the more eerie. To this day, I still don't know what I encountered or why but I do know that those experiences left an indelible mark on me, and I will never forget them. This happened when I was younger, probably around eight, after I had experienced what I know now as a near-death experience. I was with my grandmother who was still very healthy for a 76-year-old woman. We went trekking across our rural property with a picnic basket in tow, just looking to sit down with our dog and have a nice time. Normal grandparent stuff. We ended up crossing the creek. It was dry at the time to go to the back pasture. Nearby, probably 50 yards away, was our cedar tree. We sat down and started eating when our dog started acting crazy. This dog, bless her soul, was an angel. Did not act like a dog most of the time. She never barked, never jumped, and always acted politely. She went nuts, running in circles around us, growling and barking. My grandmother got concerned, so she put our picnic stuff back in the basket and tried to calm her down. I was sitting a few feet away, scared because my dog was growling. I will admit my memory gets fuzzy around here, but I remember seeing a large gray creature step out of the creek tree line we had previously walked through. My grandma scooped me up and booked it out of there, our dog running with us. I am 90% sure she ran to the cedar tree. She always talks about it being her favorite tree and about how protective it is. The tree was a lot closer than her house, which was roughly a half mile away at this point. I just know our dog calmed down and I was happier. No, I don't live in the Southwest. I live in the South Central Aston, Arkansas, close to Louisiana. So I have no idea what it could be. I was driving out in the country in a back road town of Willis, Michigan. Then something quite startling ran in front of my car. It literally was running so fast, not only was it a two-footed, seven, nine-foot blur. It was weird how its legs literally went from the foot back to a joint, like an ankle, then forwards like a joint like our knee. Then it went back to the hip. It made it go so fast, almost literally went in front of my back road, cruising 25-35 miles per hour. I watched, but as fast as it was, I made its full body out. Its head had pointy like upward ears, like a Doberman pincher almost. Then its body was like a person, except the shoulders were strong like a very built man. Its head had remained to point straight ahead like our heads do, but its body was longer because of how tall it was. It has been running like a blurry werewolf. And since it was a full moon, I thought werewolf. But it was running so fast because it had a different shape than the people. I wish I could draw. I will never forget what it looked like. It went in front of my car running into a small back road cemetery. It had to have been a werewolf. I'm not sure what it really was, but as soon as I saw it, my first instinct was to pray and go to the nearest church as fast as possible. So I did. While saying the Lord's Prayer, I trembled, and my body was in fear of the unknown. I stayed at a church and slept in the parking lot the entire night. I thought that would be crazy if werewolves had been truly, really, actually, physically real. But I went back later to find out the cemetery was called the Child's Cemetery, and the name was from the Child's family. Most of the tombs had been children of the Masonic Templars, for the symbols all had distinct characteristic traits and the actual percentage of the graves had actually been from children. All had died between 1927 and 1932. I don't know what it was from. Smallpox, maybe. But that was the first, but not the last time. I was with this girl crazy. I thought she was for talking to herself. But we saw two of them running in a field a week later. I thought of shapeshifters and things of nature. I don't know what made it come to mind but whatever the case, it was scary. My spouse and I were riding in our private sleeping compartment on the train from Chicago to Portland, a trip we took almost every year to visit our relatives. I was keeping a close eye on the clock as the train had left with a delay and had to make numerous unscheduled stops to let other trains pass. We both honestly admitted that we were nearly naked during the journey. In the afternoon, around 2 p.m., the train made an unscheduled control stop about 10 minutes west of the Dalles, Oregon. Glancing diagonally across a snow-covered clearing between the train and the Columbia River, we spotted a dark Sasquatch stepping into the clearing, accompanied by several dark birds of an unidentified species. The Sasquatch hunkered down to look at the train, occasionally getting up to walk a few steps before crouching down again. The hair on its legs stuck out on the surface of the snow, like bell-bottom pants. When hunkering down, its arms were outside its knees, and it rose without any assistance from its arms or hands. My spouse and I felt secure within the train, and were not seen by the Sasquatch due to the tinted windows. We could exchange mutual questions during the eight-minute period that the train stopped, verifying our mutual impressions of the creature's reality and appearance. The contrasty lighting made it difficult to see the animal's features in detail. The conductor indirectly admitted to seeing it too, but the terrain's geometry prevented others in compartments ahead or behind ours from viewing it. We couldn't alert others during the event because of our state of undress. The train left with a Sasquatch still watching. We both stated our absolute conviction that what we saw was a Sasquatch. It happened five years ago. The official ruling was that his death was caused by a rogue bear attack. You know, when a bear gets a little too used to eating human food, so it doesn't feel threatened anymore and attacks a human. They all know it wasn't a bear, though. Bears don't leave wounds like that, and they sure as hell don't pose the body 70 feet up in a dead tree. Yeah, I said pose, but before I get into the details, I should explain a bit about myself now i'm a park ranger in a very popular national park in the northern united states i don't want to say exactly which one although i doubt i'll keep my job for much longer anyway that's partially why i'm posting this i need to tell somebody else about this story and like i said my colleagues don't want to talk about it being a park ranger has given me a lot of weird stories and everybody is used to weird happening in the woods but this was on a completely different level For days, we had been getting reports from campers and hikers about strange noises coming from a section of deep backcountry forests. Growls, yipping, even human-sounding voices. Equipment and food had been going missing from backcountry campgrounds. All pretty typical stuff that can be explained away pretty easily. Many animals thieve food, make weird noises, and even the human voices can be explained by the sound that foxes and mountain lions make at night. But we needed to investigate either way because an animal that is conditioned to human food is dangerous. So we sent our veteran backcountry ranger, Craig McKay. This guy had been working there for 30 years, was an expert outdoorsman, and was my mentor when I first started. As always, he jumped into the task, always eager to go into the backcountry, even though he was getting a little older. I'll pause now and let Craig tell the rest of the story. Well, his journal will have to tell the rest of the story because he isn't alive to tell it. I found his journal, a flashlight in...
0: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
1: His backpack inside a small cave near the location of his body a couple of days after he didn't return, and we had sent out a search party to find him. I haven't shared this journal with anyone, not even the other rangers until now. I'm not exactly sure why I've kept it hidden, other than that the truth seems so messed up and unreal. I didn't want it to damage people's memory of Craig. I'm not even sure if I believe it myself. Everything I'm going to read to you he had written down over the two days he was out on his backcountry excursion. October 21st, 2011, day one. Today was a long day, and I can't say that I've made much progress. I've hiked about 15 miles over the course of the day starting down in the gully where the reports first started and ending up at my current camp, which is on the southwest side of Bald Knob. I figure it's a good enough place to keep an eye out for anything coming and going through the valley. Earlier, I found some tracks in the ground in the area, and as close as I can tell, they're from a mountain goat. Odd that it would travel alone, but maybe it was separated from its herd or dying. It had an odd gait. I followed them for a while, But they didn't lead anywhere, so I abandoned them. Near the tracks was a pervasive smell of death, and I'm assuming a goat got separated and died. Tomorrow I'm planning to hike across the valley to the mountain on the opposite side and see if I can't catch a track of whatever is harassing the campers. October 22, 2011, morning of day two, quick note while I eat breakfast. Last night was a long night, one of the longest I've had in a while. About an hour after going to bed, I heard light steps near the campsite. I grabbed the rifle and went out to investigate. No lights, so my eyes could stay adjusted to the dark. The second I stepped out of my tent, the noise stopped. Whatever was there knew that I was watching. I made a couple of circles around the campsite and found nothing, but I could feel something watching me from the shadows. As I got back into my tent, I thought I saw a tall silhouette in the clearing, but I must have just been seeing things. It was too skinny to be a bear, and nothing else is that tall. The strong scent of death was still present and kept me wary all night. Today's mission has changed. I just got a radio call that a couple of hikers haven't returned when they were supposed to last night and might be lost. I'm still crossing the valley today, but this time to reach where the hikers were supposed to be. Last October 22, 2011, night of day two. Stop for the night in the valley, cooking dinner now. Chicken and rice again. Dead tired, and I'm getting too old for this. No progress on the hikers, and still smells like death, though much stronger than before. I've just heard some sounds that sound like they could be voices. I can't get the radio to work in this valley. Looks like I'm not getting dinner tonight after all. Going to take a light pack and see if I can follow these voices. October 22nd, 2011, night of day two, second entry scribbled. Dear God, what did I find? Barely made it to this cave. I can hear it scratching and gurgling outside. Going to try and block the entrance and see if I could stay here overnight. I found out where the smell of death came from. Got the cave entrance cracked, covered with a large rock and some brush. It will have to do. The beast is still outside, clawing at the crack in the rock. Don't think I'll sleep tonight anyway, not after what I saw. I might as well record this because these might be my last words. For the first time in my career, I'm scared. I don't even know what I saw. It was huge, about seven and a half feet tall, and possibly fast. Smells like putrid meat. Earlier, when I had left camp, the voices outside became more and more persistent. They were definitely human voices. I followed them until I reached the clearing, and suddenly everything went silent. No voices, no hikers. It sounded like the forest itself was holding its breath. I heard a slight sound behind me before I was thrown off my feet, knocked the wind out of me. My rifle was ripped from my hand before I could even use it. I was picked up by my leg and thrown across the clearing. I could feel its claws digging like knives into my muscle. The thing dragged me up right against the tree, and I could feel its breath on my neck, breathing out a putrid smell. I could feel the blood pouring from my leg and soaking into my pants. The agonizing pain from the wound left me trembling. I could feel the weight of its body as it pushed up against me, ready to go in for the kill. I heard the smack of its mouth opening and prepared myself to die when a crash in the distance distracted the beast long enough for me to make a break for it. I ran for my life and I didn't look back, but knew it wasn't far behind me. About 20 feet away was the entry to this cave that I was able to squeeze into. It's still outside, I could hear it shuffling around trying to get into the crack, and I could hear the heavy breathing, the sucking gasping sound coming from its mouth. I have no idea what I'm going to do. Dear God, please help me out of this. I want to see my wife again, I want to see my kids again. My nose is filled with the putrid smell of impending death. If I make it through the night, my plan is to wait until first light and try to escape back to the ranger station. Those are the last words we have by Craig McKay. When he never reported back, we assumed his radio had gone out of range, but after a couple of days, we sent a search party to find him. Well, we found him all right. From the tracks, it looks like Craig left the cave early the next day. He makes it about 50 feet from the cave entrance when a second set of tracks catches up to him, goat tracks more specifically, a goat with only two legs. The gate matches something that would be a bit more than seven feet, like Craig described in his journal. What we found of Craig was dragged 70 feet up a nearby tree and torn to pieces. He was hardly recognizable. His torso was jammed onto a short branch on the tree that kept him hanging there his arms splayed out to his sides. His innards were strewn around the base of the tree. The jagged shadow remains of his leg bones stuck out of the early snowfall that had come to the mountains this year. Nothing appeared eaten or missing, but not a single piece of him was left untouched by the monster. It took the rest of the day and a special rope team to get him down. The missing hikers were never found. Those scraps of clothing matching what they were wearing have been found in the same valley where Craig died. Like I said earlier, the official story is a bear attack. Bears don't do this. We don't know what did this. We've rerouted trails to stay away from this area, but we still hear reports of humans sending voices coming from the woods, and we've had some more hikers than normal go missing in the last five years. They are found, but it's always too late. Some are arranged like Craig was, broken warnings to other hikers who dare intrude upon the beast's forest. Some are just never seen again. My name is John, a seasoned park ranger assigned to mentor a rookie named Ethan on his first assignment. We ventured deep into the remote backcountry of the vast national park, eager to pass on my knowledge and experience. Little did I know, our routine patrol would quickly become a harrowing fight for survival. We stumbled upon a series of gruesome animal killings that defied any logical explanation. The carcasses were left in a manner that suggested no known predator was responsible. As we investigated further, we discovered the existence of a pack of supernatural predators that could blend into the shadows, moving silently and unseen. These creatures were unlike anything we'd ever encountered, and their mere presence sent a chill down our spines. Ethan and I knew we had to overcome our fears and rely on our skills to outwit these elusive predators. Our priority was to alert the public to the danger lurking within the park's borders, but we knew we needed to act fast. We devised a plan to lure the creatures into a trap, using our knowledge of the terrain and animal behavior to our advantage. Unfortunately, our plan did not go as smoothly as we had hoped. As we managed to ensnare the predators in our carefully laid traps, Ethan became separated from me. I heard him cry out, and my heart sank as I realized that my young protege had fallen victim to the creatures we were trying to stop. Despite the pain and guilt that weighed heavily upon me, I pressed on, capturing the remaining predators. As I stood there, mourning the loss of Ethan, a government helicopter suddenly arrived. Before I could react, a group of armed agents emerged and locked me in, taking the captured predators with them. I demanded answers, but my pleas fell on deaf ears. The helicopter took off, leaving me with a sinking feeling that I would never learn the truth about the creatures or the government's involvement. After that day, no one ever saw or heard from me again. My disappearance became one of the many mysteries that haunted the park, a chilling reminder of the unknown dangers lurking in the shadows. Two years ago, I found myself on an elk hunting trip with three of my buddies. We had set up camp near Ukiah, Oregon, or at least that's what I think it was. The days were spent scouting for elk, and the evenings were filled with laughter, storytelling, and of course, drinking screwdrivers around the campfire. One particular night, as we sat around the fire, we were all in high spirits sharing our adventures from the day. Suddenly, out of nowhere, a loud, undulating scream echoed through the forest, cutting through our laughter and chilling us to the bone. It was unlike anything any of us had ever heard before, and it sent a wave of fear through the camp. Instinctively, we all jumped up and ran for our guns, our hearts pounding in our chests. The adrenaline coursed through our veins as we frantically scanned the dark woods surrounding the camp trying to pinpoint the source of the terrifying sound. As we stood there, weapons at the ready, we caught a glimpse of a large, shadowy figure moving swiftly through the trees. The sheer size and speed of the creature was enough to make us believe that it was a Sasquatch, a creature we had all heard stories about, but never truly believed in until that moment. Just as quickly as it had appeared, the creature vanished into the darkness, leaving us all standing there, dumbfounded and shaken. We gathered around the campfire once again, our previous mirth replaced by a sense of unease. We spent the rest of the night discussing the incident, trying to rationalize what we had experienced. Over time, the memory of that night has faded, but the feeling of fear and awe that the scream evoked still lingers. We've shared our story with others, some of whom believe us, while others dismiss it as a product of our overactive imaginations and too many screwdrivers. Me, my uncle, and my cousins went to the site to hunt deer. We lined up six abreast on the far side of the trench to push any deer out. As we walked along, I inadvertently got forced down into the trench. I then kept with the direction of the trench. After a short time, I smelled something. It smelled like some stinking animal. Then I heard it running back and forth as if frantically looking for something. I could tell by the sound it was two-legged. I could feel the ground shake like when a herd of elk gets spooked. At this point I hear a tree maybe six to ten inches on the stump come crashing to the ground behind me. At this point I made extreme haste for the walls of the trench. Pulling on vines I made my way out and straight for our vehicles. I did not linger at the trench for further investigation. From all of my experience in the woods I can with full confidence say what I encountered was not a bear and was definitely two-legged. The crisp autumn air filled me with excitement as my four friends, and I gathered around a roaring campfire outside the hunter's lodge. This remote cabin was nestled deep within the heart of a dense forest, and it held a century-old history cloaked in mystery. We had rented it for a week of hunting and relaxation, but we had no inkling that our decision to spend a week at this secluded outpost would lead to a terrifying encounter with the unknown. The group consisted of James, Sarah, Mike, Lisa, and myself, Daniel. We had been planning this trip for months, eagerly anticipating the chance to escape the hustle and bustle of city life and trade our smartphones for rifles and hiking boots. The Lodge, despite its eerie past, offered the perfect escape from the daily grind. As the days went by, we settled into the Lodge, swapping stories by the fire and savoring the simple pleasures of life away from civilization. However, as night descended upon us, an unsettling feeling began to creep over our group. The wind whispered through the trees in an eerie, ghostly chorus, and the old lodge creaked and groaned as if it harbored its own secrets. On the third night, we were jolted awake by a faint, mournful howling in the distance. It was unlike any animal we had ever encountered, sending shivers down our spines and making sleep impossible. We tried to dismiss it as a trick of the wind and attempted to resume our slumber. The following evening, as we gathered around the fireplace, we heard something that chilled us to the bone, a low, guttural growl emanating from just beyond the lodge's walls. James, known for his fearlessness, grabbed a flashlight and cautiously peered out the window. My blood turned to ice as I watched him shine the light into the darkness. There, right outside the window, was a beast. I could see spittle running down its face, and its eyes were fixed on James. It stood on its hind legs, its fur a matted blend of cream, red, and brown. Its face was wolf-like, with a snout and sharp teeth. But apart from that snout, its facial features were eerily human. Its jawbones were high, and the structure around its eyes and the eyes themselves were shockingly human-esque. Its eyes, I believed, were a chilling shade of yellow. James stumbled back from the window, his heart pounding, and relayed what he had seen to us. Panic began to set in as we huddled together, wondering what kind of creature could lurk just outside our lodge. Our questions remained unanswered, and we were overwhelmed by a sense of dread. The night grew colder, and the growling continued. Then a more terrifying sound reached our ears, the scratching of claws at the door. The creature was trying to get inside, and fear quickly turned to desperation as we realized we were trapped. That's when Daniel, the most level-headed among us, proposed a dangerous plan. He suggested that we escape through the back door and set explosives inside the cabin. The idea was to lure the creature inside and then detonate the explosives from a safe distance. It was a risky plan, but we had no other choice. With trembling hands, we prepared for our escape. We cautiously opened the back door and crept out, all while hearing the front door splintering under the creature's assault. Panic set in as we sprinted into the woods, barely escaping the pursuing horror. Taking cover behind the trees, we watched in terror as the creature entered the cabin. Lisa, tears streaming down her face, clicked the remote detonator, and the explosion lit up the night sky. The cabin erupted in flames, and the force of the blast sent shockwaves through the forest. When the smoke cleared, there was no sign of the creature. The lodge had been reduced to smoldering ruins. Our ordeal was over, but the fear and the memory of those piercing yellow eyes would haunt us for the rest of our lives. As we made our way back to civilization, we vowed never to speak of the horrors we had encountered. To this day, we maintain that it was a true story a tale of terror that unfolded in the dark depths of the wilderness, a story of a remote hunting lodge with a history best left buried in the past. The very first time I went deer hunting was back in 2015, in West Kentucky and went on my then girlfriend, current wife's family land on the opening day of rifle season. I got put in one of their stands on the edge of a swamp that was only about 100 yards in the woods with soybean field out front. The stand faces into the woods and about 300 feet from the stand turns into public TV ground. The TVA ground is accessible, but you'd have to either trespass or walk through about two miles of thick swamp to get back to where we were. I get dropped off to the stand and remember taking in the 25 degree pitch black morning and waiting in the dark for things to lighten up. Then I see a blue light walking through the woods. As it got closer, I see an old man with a white beard wearing red and black flannel and a stormy cromer walking down the trail that leads to and past this stand with an old-school lantern held out at arm's length. He walked past my stand, never looked up at me, and walked onto the via and disappeared. I got a doe that morning and never have figured out where that guy came from. I was there until about 12.30 or so, and never saw him walk back out either. This is a story I heard a few years ago from my flatmate at the time. I won't be able to elaborate on details, but will try to recall from my memory as best as I can. Happened in Hungary. P.S. English is not mine, nor his first language, so sorry, if there are discrepancies in government institutions or anything else. His dad was a hunter, so took him hunting quite a lot. And if memory serves me right, dad was employed by something like National Guard, so not someone who's easily scared. Anyway, this one night they are out flatmate around 10 at the time and camped in the meadow near forest. Early autumn, so not too cold. At some point, while having dinner, they heard rustling in the nearby woods, not surprising a lot of wildlife around. Can't recall the in-between, but eventually they went to investigate. They spotted a wild boar and dad was about to take a shot when something large rose up on their right. It was dark, so they could not see much, but they were also too close to the thing, around 300 meters max. Grass was not too tall, so it appeared that it was either crouching without moving or laying but once it rose, it was clearly walking on two feet. But it wasn't not a human. Dark fur, clearly canine features and glowing eyes. It looked them over and just walked away. They were frozen in place and my flatmates said he'd never been so scared in his life. They took of running, jumped into the car and drove away. His dad had another sighting of something similar while on patrol, but I don't remember that story well and unfortunately haven't bumped into the guy since. The story fascinated me, but I also remember that while telling this, he was scared and guarded. This is not much at all, but hope someone finds this interesting. Believe it or not, I had a close encounter with what I can only describe as a leprechaun when I was a kid. I was out in the pasture, just enjoying a leisurely day, playing around and soaking in the peacefulness of the setting sun. As it began to set, I decided it was time to head back home. As I started up the hill towards the house, something caught my eye. There was a small leprechaun like being sitting on the ground. I squinted, trying to make out the details in the dimming light, but it was undeniable there was a little man just sitting there on the ground. I stood there frozen, simply staring at him. My mind was racing, trying to comprehend what my eyes were seeing. I was caught in this strange limbo between disbelief and fear, when suddenly my survival instincts kicked in. I turned and sprinted back to the house faster than I ever had before. The following day, curiosity got the better of me, and I ventured back out to the spot where I had seen the peculiar figure. Sure enough, the grass was all flattened where the little man had been sitting, a silent testimony to the previous day's encounter. I have to clarify that his clothes weren't the stereotypical bright green you'd associate with leprechauns. However, using the term, leprechaun was the easiest way to describe the being I saw. He was a small figure, sporting a beard and earth-toned clothes, and even had a small, pointy hat. That encounter remains one of the most surreal experiences of my life.